Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stagos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Be Customer-Led. I'm your host, Bill Stakos. I have a really exciting guest for you all this week. Yoav Vilner is the CEO and founder of Walnut. And we're going to get into Walnut Does, but the story arc of this show is do not forget about the sales experience in the journey, which is really critical. And Yoav and the team have created a fantastic product we're going to talk about. Yoav, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. I've been listening for the past couple of months. Uh, it's a great show. Cool. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the support. All right, let's get into it. So the first question that we always ask our guests, Yoav, is tell us about and share your journey. And I think you've got a really interesting one. You're, you're in Tel Aviv today, and you've been in this space and the software space for a while. And uh, tell us kind of like that progression into ultimately founding Walnut. Yeah, I started my journey some time ago. I was I was 22 and and I identified a gap in Tel Aviv where a lot of startups were starting to raise seed. Israel was just becoming the startup nation mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And they didn't have a lot of a lot of solutions and a lot of possibilities to handle anything about growth and marketing. The the phrase growth hacking was just starting to to emerge and they realize that they can't rely on the huge ad agencies with the huge tall buildings mm. that normally work with enterprise companies. And then I just started being like a freelancer that handles like maybe two or three startups, mm. doing all of the growth and marketing, not really knowing how. But it was fun. And that turned out to be the biggest company. One of the first companies in the world to do tech marketing, as it's referred to. So we had 600 startups. We had dozens of employees. We had offices wow. in... Manhattan and London, and I lived across all the locations. Um, so it's a good, it's a nice gig to have in your twenties. <laughs> I can imagine that sounds like a really awesome story. So, so you founded Walnut a couple of years ago, right? And I always love, I love asking the question because I think the the name behind companies is a really interesting one. So, th- but two questions though: one, what problem were you trying to solve when you were like, hey, I we need to create technology to do this? Because it's a really important problem. Because if you're working with 600 companies, you're seeing what the problems are day in and day out, right? But what was it about what you guys do? And tell us a little bit about what you do as well. What problem were you trying to solve with it? And then how did you come up with the name of the company? Yeah, we, we get asked about the name. I'm often. sure, man. I just like to say that we think that demonstrating your product to people is like the toughest nut to crack in the sales process. And yeah, people like it. So so like you said, when I was running a company that's working with 600 startups, you get to see a lot of stuff go go right, go wrong. You get to see why startups shut down and you get to see why startups raised $200 million. Yeah. And eventually I kind of noticed that every time a company would spend millions of, of dollars trying to get you and I to see a demo of the product, eventually what comes afterwards is the demo and something broke or failed. My co-founder, my CTO in the company... He had a startup he was selling to enterprise companies. And then on the opposite side, he had exec roles at enterprises seen startups selling their software. And mm. we just kind of came to a conclusion that it doesn't make sense. It was 2020 at the time. And 
we felt it really doesn't make sense for things to work that way, for everything to break, for everything mm-hmm. to bore the prospect, for things to go just bad. Very, very cool. From like idea to like having a prototype, how long did that take you guys to like build it out? So I think what's very unique about Walnut is is the speed. Like everything just happens super fast. I've never seen a I've I've seen stuff happen here that I I would you I would expect to see after like five or six years happening in a, in a startup. Wow. From the moment we started interviewing VP sales and it was like sixty or seventy VP VP sales at the time from major companies and we were interviewing them. They were not just saying it's a big problem. Like they were saying this is killing me. I will pay you. To solve this, like I will pay you to reduce the friction between our sales team and anyone from the backend, R&D mm-hmm. in product and design in creating and managing all those demos. My, my CTO took like two or three weeks to just develop what was the very first version of Walnut. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, because you guys, you're, you're under, it's under two years old, the company, right? But you guys have seen some pretty serious growth in that time. Yeah, and- it's about one and a half years officially. That's awesome. I love the growth story and the trajectory. And it's rooted in like real knowledge. Like you're working with all these companies, you're kind of seeing what works well, what doesn't work well. It's it, What's interesting to me is I, I get to talk to a lot of people, as, as you can imagine, right? But sometimes people don't notice the problems and saying, hey, there's an opportunity here. They're just focused on, hey, I'm, you could have just stuck with growth marketing at the end of the day. And you could have had a great company, you did, and you just, that's what you could have done, right? But you notice this other sort of opportunity here and you said, hey, let's pivot. Let's do something else new and interesting here. That takes just a lot of courage to be able to do, especially if you've got a thriving business right already. Is the other business still, do you still have that or did you kind of shut that down or move on? Or No, so I was living in New York for our US office and I was just wrapping up about almost seven years of being the CEO there. And that was quite enough for me. So I came back to Tel Aviv and then COVID just started. So I would go back anyway and... Mm. And we launched, we launched Walnut. In between, I was also a CMO of a startup designed to save kids from bullies on social media. Awesome. Um, yeah, as part of their founding team, I helped them raise funds and launch everything. But Walnut was just too much of a passion that I was, I was wanting to build. Very, very cool. I love, I love founders and folks like you because you're not just doing one thing. Like you just got, you're doing, you got to be busy all the time. And I love that. Why do you think a lot of people forgot about the sales experience? Why do you think that wasn't maybe like an, it was an afterthought almost, right? What did you notice that that maybe others didn't in that, you know, as, as a as a buyer, and I've bought SaaS software before in past lives, right? I don't know if people necessarily think about the sales experience as part of that overall journey, right? It's sort of like awareness, you buy it, you use it, and that's the, the big part of the journey. But the sales experience necessarily maybe not so much. What What were people missing, do you think? Um, the main thing I think that got lost is if you think about like B2C sales, like if you would, you would want to buy a pizza or yeah. or a trend meal online and you would Google it, it would come all the way to your house and you wouldn't have to talk to anyone. And when people are buying SaaS products, they're used to talking to 17 SDLs and then three AEs and then a VP that's coming in to bargain on the price again. And yeah. it's like such a difference that B2B just did not evolve over the past, I don't know how many years. And and this is why our validation process was so quick. Everyone were like, yeah, please fix this, we'll pay for it. And then the 70 people on, on in our validation phase, they turned into 700 people on a wait list. And everyone was saying, come on guys, let's let's build this thing. And you can't really get any more validation than that for your no, idea. That's really it, that's all you needed. I love that. But you guys don't just necessarily focus on the sales experience, right? You guys have, Solutions for marketing, you have solutions for customer success, particularly in that onboarding process. 
was this sort of a natural extension or did you say, hey, did you start with the sales experience and, and the demos and then said, hey, let's do this for marketing and let's do this for customer success? Because those same 700 were saying, hey, we can, you can fix this problem over here too. Or was there something else going on that you observed and identified and you saw the need to build that, that as well for, for, for those personas? Yeah, I think that like, demonstrating your product is tough for every team. Most of our efforts are focused on sales. Naturally, marketing is also very close to it. And so there's a lot of marketing and product marketing teams we work with. I think sales is like the core business. We've got a lot of requests for use cases that we didn't go for. Founders wanting to demonstrate to VCs. You could do it with Walnut, but mm -hmm. it would be too expensive for you just to do that. Product team wanting to experiment a feature, announce it internally or externally. Mm -hmm. These are all things you can do if you if you own the product demonstration. But for us, like this whole play on sales and marketing is kind of sufficient at the moment. Like there's enough demand. And so it's kind of every, every other use case is just kind of naturally expanding within the existing customers mm -hmm. that we have. And, and you have, is it typical like our sales? Because it's a no code solution, right? Like, I, I mean, for folks who go to walnut.io, excuse me and check out like great demo on there, right? Like how to build it, et cetera. And you guys have some slick marketing on there too, which I love. Is it salespeople able to develop the demo themselves or are they still going maybe to their different product teams or maybe their product marketing folks to do it? Or like who are like the primary users of, 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 the, of the platform? So the whole, the whole concept of Walnut is that you don't need anyone from R&D and you don't need anyone from product or design. Okay. And you, can't you can't crash the system like you're not connected to your backend anymore. So 90% yeah. of times we all know something's going to happen when you go on that live demo with Microsoft and you're going to show them your product and it fails. And we've all been there. So this is what it helps save. It's more like an insurance for demos and salespeople can just handle it on their own. It's like a drag and drop system, super mm -hmm. easy, just like building a website on Wix or just like customizing the words within the website. Yeah, no, it is really, really slick. What do you think? So like, I, I feel like there's like content as an example, just broadly, like big C, right? But I think demos and well, service demos or product demos are certainly part of that broader category. A lot of companies, I feel like, don't see that as an asset to the organization, right? A lot of teams still focused on product attributes, trying to get through as much as possible and sort of in a demo in a short period. Then things fail and go sideways. For the companies that maybe have not heard of Walnut, what do you think that they're missing by not treating these things like a, like an asset, like a real asset to the company that they should be using to drive growth? I mean, certainly from an efficiency perspective, because it's easy to use from a drag and drop, like that no code kind of stuff. But like, why aren't companies, do you think, looking at this stuff like an asset generally? I think people get used to what they, what they know. And so mm. if you think about it, if you try to be creative about, like you said, you don't want to just go shove million features and show a the same demo to everyone. So what people used to do, they would try and record a video that's kind of more cost. You tell the story, it's the same demo, but you tell the story differently, but nothing interactive about that, right? Because you just send it in advance. Sure. You would go to Google Slides or PowerPoint and you would kind of try and make up a whole story of what this product can do for you. It's really like brick and mortar solutions. And so I, I do think the expectations have have increased. And I think that the market, the prospects right now, they don't have the patience anymore mm -hmm. to get that type of a process or an experience. And 
So companies are definitely left behind. And then they spend lots of internal resources, right? So you spend a couple of millions of dollars a year. You build out a team that's supposed to like maintain, create, and stabilize them and stuff like that. They would still potentially not be interesting enough for prospects, even in that form. And so you just spend so much time and money on all, all this stuff that you can just solve with a click of a button. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes no sense. Yeah, and I think that actually tools and capabilities like yours I think also open up people's eyes to realize like, hey, this is an asset. Like we can use this creatively or in different ways to really drive new connectivity with the customer, right? In a different way. And I think that's what I like. One, not as it, not only is it easy to produce, but the demo also comes off, I think, a little bit differently than maybe than it has in the past. And I think that's also an important part of that at the end of the day. Like when I when I saw the demos, like in full disclosure, folks, Medallia is a customer of Walnut. So it's important to also say that. When I saw the demo, I was like, this is going to change the way that we think about showing the platform to our clients, right? And be more creative in that process too, which I think is, which I think is, is, is a really important, a really important point to make. A couple of things about Walnut though, like you guys just don't create sort of like the demo and like, like the no code, like the drag and drop, right? Like I really love, so as a, as a customer experience person and, and professional and practitioner, I love data and measurement, just kind of like the way my brain works a lot. The insights that you guys actually produce and deliver through the platform provides clients sort of like the ability to identify opportunities with your sales team, your sales process, client engagement with the demo, et cetera. Talk to our listeners a little bit about these features and the functionality. Why was it important to include when you guys were building this out? Was it, a, was it part of like V.1 or did you guys kind of build that on top as well, like as you guys were going along. Right. So I think that insights and analytics and all of that, all of those nice words that actually say what you've just said, which is data. This is kind of this is kind of the more advanced phase of of such a product. And mm. it really makes no sense just to let you customize demos if you don't know what ended up happening or who saw it. And there's so many things that you need to know. You need that data, especially if you're a team leader. There's a lot of insights that you can get into this whole process, which kind of, let's admit it, today you would send your sales rep and they would go on and make a live demo, which isn't like customized. And then they would go back to the CRM and they would type, it was a great call and you wouldn't know what that, what that means. And so, so yeah, so we provide like insights. First of all, very general insights into the actual demo. We refer to as a storyline because you tell a story to a specific prospect who saw it and how long did it take and which features were more important to to that prospect if you imagine if you can send the demos to your prospects like you do with walnut as a link there's a lot of tracking we can do like was it likely to convert and what was more interesting and then you can also plug it in black, back to your CRM and you can sync the data. There, there's a lot of stuff to do there. And, and you need to know who saw the demo for in terms of your, your knowledge and, and, and privacy and everything. So there's a whole world of, of data points that we're, we're trying to, to present to go all the way from zero clarity, which is completely zero, all the way to 100. And, and as part of that, Yoav, say like I was, I was a salesperson, I, let's say I created four templates for demos. Could I A-B test and kind of figure out, okay, where specifically or what specifically people kind of keyed in on so I can then start to kind of say, well, this worked on this one and that worked on that one so I can start bringing them together and start testing that way? Because you, um, you can create a demo yeah. pretty quickly after that, right? 
Yeah, you could once you've created that first the first step you take with Walnut is like replicating the paths that matter most to you from your mm-hmm. SaaS dashboard to our cloud. Once you've done that once, you can create millions of storylines and demos and templates and everything. You don't have to do that more than once. And and yeah, you can totally like compare the different types of storylines and and you can see what's working best for for which type of customer. Like we really try and this we, this will take us a couple of of more months, but I really want us to be able to tell you because we all have prospects from different types of company size and, and industries and a prospect that works in a cyber company doesn't need to see the same demo someone from a gaming company. Right. And eventually we want to get to that point where you can actually be the best sales rep you can for a specific type of customer with a specific experience. And this is something we learn as we go. We already have over 100 customers in just one year and, and now we're onboarding hundreds more. So we'll have more data to work with. Very, very cool. Are you thinking about how how do you think about aggregating all the data that you're capturing from your customers and creating even benchmarking or like feeding that back to say, hey, these are the types of things that are working. Here's how SaaS buyers are consuming information in different ways, right? Maybe the videos like are should be between two and three minutes or one and two minutes or whatever that is. Are you actually are you able to deliver that back? Or are you guys thinking about that as well? Oh yeah, so, it's 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 part of the plan because I think after you get a lot of data, then there's a lot of there's a lot of conclusions you can get from it that will help your pro- your clients save time. So we don't want people to create demos all the time. Yeah, we want them to like the evolution of where this is going is we, we just want you to show it and everything will be taken care of. So so the first type of the first type of help that we can bring is if we connect to the CRM, we can just prepare the demo because we know the customer and their side and their industry and everything. And, and afterwards, we can like kind of predict and tell you this should be that and kind of take the brain work out of everything. But I would feel confident in releasing such features after we've work, worked with hundreds of customers. We got mm, a lot yeah. of data and otherwise it will be, just be like us guessing as much as you. Yeah, that's really that's really fascinating to me. I Do you think that that's where the space is going? Just more like automation and predictive built into the capability or like what else do you, do you mind? I'm curious, like, where do you think the sales experience as a differentiator for businesses is going generally? I think in a couple of, in a couple of years, people are really going to make fun of the way you used to show your products in, in the past, <laughs> showing the real life thing and praying nothing breaks or just ignoring the fact that different prospects don't need to see the same experience. Yeah, This is all really going, going to the next phase of this revolution. And with or without us, this whole PLG thing is happening and the demos are starting to be like the engine for for growth. We just got we just got the privilege of announcing and being the first one to do everything first, and the market really appreciates it. But eventually, a couple of years a couple of years from now, you would get a lot of tools that let you create PLG materials, a lot of tools that let you customize your demos. And by that time, it's kind of be I, I think it's going to be an industry with a couple of big winners from all kinds of different angles of the process. I actually got picked by a company. I'll have to forge you the email and actually to my my work account. I was like, it's like, we're already working with Walnut. Thanks though. But uh, it was very interesting. So I'll forge you the note. I don't know if you may be aware of the company or not, but- As to um, why do you work with Walnut? No, 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 no. The, it was like, a, it was a similar type of solution. And I was like, oh, we're already working with Walnut. No, thanks. Right? So I'll have to forge you the note, maybe the company or not. But um, Probably after you announce something and it hits the market and people appreciate it. So- a lot of a lot of people would try and kind of do the same things. Yeah. Lucky for us, like the market now has no 
has no, like there's not even a debate over who's the winner in terms of land grabbing and being the bigger, the better brand. There's like, but it's going to be a huge market. Like I think, I think that SaaS companies are really trying to be as creative as they can and they're yeah. actively looking for such solutions. Gardner is running blog posts, yeah. mentioning us. And yeah. like you said, we're under two years. Everything's really overwhelming, but I think it's going to be a big, a big industry. Yeah, no, I, I think even for myself, kind of doing the work, I mean, doing customer experience, the actual work for companies in the past, it's interesting. Like I never really thought about the sales experience as a really critical part. But now that I'm at a SaaS company, I actually look at it very, very differently. So wherever I go in life, like whatever I do next, I'm like, that really has to be a critical part of the journey. I just think that whether it's a SaaS company or otherwise, it's it just, you really need to think end to end in those touch points and what customers are receiving, what they're viewing, how they're engaging with your brand. I think new creative ways to be able to to do that with a potential customer or even current customer for that matter is really critical to that connectivity and that growth. So, all right, I got two more questions for you, Yoav. I know it's, uh, it's late on a Friday for you. Who do you look up to? What business leaders do you look up to, if any? Maybe you, don't, maybe you say, hey, I, I benchmark against myself. I don't know. But do you, do you have business leaders that you look up to and say, that's, that's someone that I like to follow? Um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be backed by some of the people that I appreciate the work. And so when they're your investors or advisors, so you get to like talk to them about everything. Cool. Usually I don't get inspiration from like the massive CEOs of the top three companies in history where everyone's going, reading the same quotes and inspirational mm-hmm. quotes as everyone. I, ju- I just like talking and he- hearing smart advice from people that have in recent years built massive multi-billion dollar companies. In, in industries that I care about. Mm. And so uh, some of them are investors at Walnut and I get to talk to them and hear and like consult with them every time I, I need to. So I'm very lucky about that. Awesome. Where, where do you go for inspiration just personally? Like what, what, uh, what, where do you go for like things to like be motivated and get charged up? Oh, that's a good question. Sometimes mindfulness and more often boxing, like Thai boxing no kidding. and stuff. Cool kind of the, it wears you out you don't remember your name anymore and you wake up for a new morning also a hobby of mine how did you get into into boxing i was looking for something something extreme to do so i was like looking at all kinds of stuff like surfing and snowboarding and boxing and and i and i just felt that boxing could be it has a lot of impact a, a lot of impact on your your concentration your blood flow your shape your ability yeah. to face challenges your ability to kick someone's ass if you ever need to on the street, <laughs> which we all need to do. We all need to know how to do. Once in a while, you never know, right? The yeah. one time that you need that skill, it's a good skill to have for sure. Yeah, um, you wouldn't want to snowboard on someone that's trying to to beat you on the street. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, Yoav, this is one. It's 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 been great to get to know you a little bit. I really appreciate this conversation. I think that I think what you guys are doing is really fantastic. This show is not about promoting platforms or software, but like I really do believe that what you guys are creating is something really special. I certainly see it on on the end on my end where I I believe in the product. It's changed my perspective and I love this about the company. If, when I see companies that change my perspective on the work that I do and how I think about it not just the product itself and its capabilities, like you got something special there. So I'm a sample of one, but I really think that for a lot of people to be able to think about and consider the sales experience as an integral part of the overall customer journey and what capabilities can help you get there, I think you guys are nailing it. It's just awesome to see. Thanks. Thanks. Really means a lot. 
Yeah. So listen, great, great show. Thanks for coming on. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. We're out. Talk to you soon, Thanks everyone. for listening to Be Customer-Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out. We're out.